Yeah, honestly, I don't think this was the hardest part. I think this is the hardest part. Like I've had, I had these feelings yesterday. You know what I mean? I think, I think for me, maybe the solution, and it's something that I don't even know if I'm, I'm, if I have a compelling solution for it. But I think trying to remind myself that I'm never going to know everything, and hearing stories from other people uh, helps put your own journey into perspective a lot. Hey everybody, this is Sean from iCodeHireMe.com and this is episode number 9 of the iCodeHireMe podcast. A show where I talk with developers that taught themselves how to code and landed a job as a software engineer all without having to get a degree in computer science. We'll get into the details of why they decided to quit their job and learn to code, how they learned to code, and what it's like to land that first job. On today's show, we have Joe Quanin who a few years ago decided he needed to make a career change and dedicated his time to learning how to code, and in only six months landed a job as a junior software developer. Joe, thanks for being on the show. Hey, Sean. Thanks for having me. What were you doing before you became a software developer? Yeah, so I was um, in mortgage banking, and I kind of had a meandering path to get there. I graduated from high school in, in 2008 kind of in the, in the midst of the financial crisis. And so when I went to college, I ended up studying economics just because it was a very zeitgeist thing at the time. There was a, some interesting things going on in the news with, with the recession, in politics, Obama had just been elected, the economy in general. So I spent four years studying economics and kind of trying to, to gain context for what had just happened in, in the global economy. And after I graduated, and I ended up actually working at a mortgage bank, um, <laughs> which was interesting to to go from seeing the mortgage world and its its role in global economics um, to directly kind of being in the boiler room of of that world, um, so that was pretty interesting. Um, a couple months into working at the mortgage bank, I had the opportunity to start working on some IT projects, um, and through there was kind of like the first time I did anything professionally with with UI and UX design. Um, and the, the main example that I can think of that was kind of like a, a catalyst, so to say, for my, my sparking my transition to, to software is that we, we, we at the bank, we went through rotation programs. So basically every couple months, if you wanted to, you could get cross-trained in a different functional area, uh, sometimes for, for people's personal knowledge, but most of the time so that you could be kind of more of a uh more of a, a switchblade i guess within the organization and when i was working at customer support um i learned how to take calls and process payments for the mortgage company right so that's pretty interesting because you're talking to real people who are trying to pay their mortgage online they'll call in customer support and a lot of the times the questions would be like hey i'm trying to make my mortgage payment i'm not really sure if it went through Right. And so that's kind of a scary thing if you're if you're a homeowner, you're trying to make your mortgage payments and you're not sure because of design on a website. And so that's that struck me as interesting. Um, and so that was actually one of the first projects I was able to work on was taking a look at what the current payment processing page looked like and trying to understand, well, why are so many people calling like literally daily from all over the country asking the same question? Um, and. It was, you know, it was pretty clear once you look at it, there weren't really 
the the standard affordances that you would expect out of an interface like that. There wasn't anything, there wasn't like a stepper or a confirmation necessarily that made it crystal clear that you had completed this process. Um, so I, in addition to someone with a business unit and a business analyst, uh, kind of put together a brief redesign. They were They were basically like rudimentary wireframes, but what it did was it added a stepper to this process so that when you went to make your mortgage payment, it was very clear, step one, two, three, you're complete, right? And so that was a lot of fun to work on. It went out and we almost immediately saw a decline in, in those kinds of customer service calls. And so that was a, a pretty empowering experience for me. And around that time, I started to think like, you know, I think that this is kind of, this is the functional area that I see myself really enjoying is, is really working uh, on the application side, Um and and trying to build solutions for for problems that people are having on a day to day basis. So that was that was one um, that was one instance that kind of validated that this might be an interesting path for me. Got it. So you were basically working customer service and had this opportunity to create production quality software with a team and see the effect of it. Um, that's pretty rare that you get to actually go through that whole process. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I got lucky. I think I think where I where I got the luckiest there is that I was I wasn't even on the customer support team. I was merely going through cross training um, since there was customer support in my office, um, and I got lucky in that there were there were managers who were willing to listen to some random person in a different office. <laughs> so that's uh, that that was one of the the biggest takeaways there. So what was it about that? process that got you really excited yeah definitely i think i think right away it was it was impact right um this idea that this is something that has this this particular example had pretty tangible effects right if you're someone who's using technology to try to make a mortgage payment and that doesn't go through like that literally puts you at risk of a lot of a lot of potentially bad things you could you could go into foreclosure. You could lose your home. Um, there was just an article that was posted recently that there was a major bank um, that accidentally, because of software problems, denied loan modifications for hundreds, maybe thousands of homeowners, and that had real ramifications. Those are you know those are people out in the world, and and they they were really affected by something that, you know, you might, you might think on its surface, it's like, Oh, you know, they're like, they're, they're just websites, but they're really not for a lot of business uses. So that was the thing to me where I was like, Oh, the people that are doing this, um, the work is pretty consequential. You know what I mean? Depending on, depending on the industry that you're in, um, with that experience too, uh, since I was able to work with with project managers and business analysts and other developers, so like I would be like what what's considered a non technical user in Jira. And after a couple months of working on these projects, I realized that the 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 best thing that I could do for whatever organization I'm working in, and also for myself, was to actually like learn the language of how these things were built, so to say. And so that's like I could have, I guess. And I think uh, there's nothing wrong with you know, staying in like the business analyst lane or the project management lane. But after a couple months of working on these projects, I got really interested in learning how to how to build the things that I was thinking about. Yeah. So what was it that happened next that made you dive a little deeper into building the things? Yeah, for sure. Um, 
for me, it was really, I told myself that I wanted to become a web developer and I kind of set that goal, right? And so this is something, it, it, it's kind of a pattern when that started, I guess, um, I guess in high school, right? It's it's something that I think a lot of us do implicitly. We think, okay, senior year of high school is starting. I want to get into college before I graduate. And then you're a senior in college and you say, I want to have a job offer lined up before I graduate. Um, so it's kind of something like that. It was it was the first time, obviously, that I, I was kind of in in an open-ended position. You don't graduate from from your jobs necessarily. So you kind of have to set these goals for yourself. And so yeah, I did that. Um, I was still I was still working at the bank, and I said I'm going to start committing my nights to week and and weekends to to learning how to code. Um, and I kind of yeah, kind of just did it. I found a play. I found a couple places where I I found I could I could focus. So I would I would go to public libraries. I would go to university libraries around me, and I would just block off hours of the day and and start googling stuff. Uh, started with a lot of the 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 basic sites that are used so like Codecademy etc. Um, I ended up finding this site called Treehouse, um, which was the first time I saw kind of like tracks laid out right for learning. So they had a front end web development track that you know of course didn't teach you everything that you needed to be a front end web developer. But what it did was kind of give you a broad outline of hey these are the general things and the general technologies that are expected of you uh, to be a front end web developer. And so yeah, I started that process nights and weekends for, for months and months and months. Um, I eventually had an, an online portfolio of kind of just like little microsites and, and tinkering with things like responsive design and worked on that until I got to the point where I, th- I thought it would make sense to start applying to jobs. Uh, and I really just, I would chat with anyone who listened. <laughs> so I would, uh, I would, put my, I, I would, yeah, I would, I would I would respond to all the recruiters that contacted me. <laughs> I would take whatever phone call. I would take coffee with whoever. I would go to meetups and try to meet people there and and get a sense of of how other people were making this transition. So yeah, I guess in some ways it was kind of just like a self taught immersion. Like um, I knew what the outcome was. I didn't necessarily have like a curriculum or instructors to tell me how to get there, but I. I kind of just chipped away at it until eventually, um, kind of chronologically trying to remember how this worked. My first developer job, I actually started at that company as a project manager. Um, And a couple months into that role, they had this project come up that wasn't wasn't overly complicated. It was something that was kind of suited for a junior developer. And I was, I was a PM there and I was kind of, I kind of just raised my hand and I said, Hey, I've been learning how to code the past few months. Um, I think I could, I think I could do this. And they gave me a shot. And after that one project was done, they converted me to a front end web developer at the agency. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. That's, that's, um, you know, I got really lucky. I don't know how common something like that is. Um, there's there actually is is one story about how I got that job that I I think is kind of interesting. Um, yeah, let's talk about when you just started applying to jobs after you've been doing this nights and weekends for about six months. Um, yeah, how what happened there? Yeah, I mean, for the first few months it was radio silence. You know, it's it's a really competitive field. I didn't have an educational background for it. 
I didn't go to a boot camp um, or anything like that. So I'd be sending out my my resume, my portfolio. It would it would be like a it would be like a rare treat to even hear back from a company. You want you to, when you have that little experience, right? Um, uh, actually, I went. I ended up going the recruiter route um, for my for my first technology technology role, and it was surprisingly successful. Um, I don't I don't know kind of the general sentiment these days around recruiters, but I found I ended up getting lucky in finding one that was willing to go to bat for me. Um, and they got me the, they got me the interview at a design agency. And the night before my eight, before my interview, I went on this company's website just to kind of like do my research. Um, and I was thinking to myself, I was trying to think of ways that I could stand out among all these candidates. And I came with the, I came up with the idea to actually rebuild this agency's website but kind of swap out the content so that it was actually my resume. Um, and then that site also, uh, also wasn't responsive. It didn't work on mobile. So I added, added that in as well. And so it was pretty interesting because I show up to this interview, <clears throat> excuse me, and I, I sit down with the two co-founders and one of them asks, uh, do you have a copy of your resume? Uh, and I, I said, no, but can I show you something? Um, and then I opened up my laptop and I showed them this website and it's, basically all we talked about during that interview. So I showed it to them. They're like, they, they kind of picked up on it right away that it was, it was their website, but I had like redesigned their logo. So it was my initials instead of the company's initials. I used all of the same branding and in, in instead of like their marketing content, I basically put my personal marketing content. Um, then I showed them that the site was responsive as well. They had to be blown away by that. I mean, <laughs> they, they told me it was kind of funny. Uh, I, they took me out to lunch when when they made an offer to convert me from a PM to a web developer, and they handed me the offer letter. and They said we knew right away when we saw that website, so that I felt pretty good about that. I can't tell you like what compelled me to even try this. Um, I'm sure in some organizations that are kind of more form, formal and traditional, I might have gotten laughed out of the room. But I kind of just you know it was it was a startup. They looked like they were receptive to new things, so it was kind of a shot in the dark, and it ended up working out. So I got I got very lucky. Mm-hmm. And you were interviewing for a project management job at this point, right? Yeah. So that's the role that I ended up getting. So I showed them this that I knew how to code and that I could you know I could I could do agency front end development work. They hired me as a project manager anyway because that's that's the need that they had. Um, so for the first three or four months I was doing that, you know, I was, I was still coding on the side, but that was kind of a crash course in like agency project management, so to say. And in just a couple months I worked on massive enterprise projects, um, and kind of got my feet wet and, and, and what that, what that world looks like. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest hurdles sometimes is actually understanding how development teams work and how all the pieces interact and like code testing and all that stuff is so bizarre to a self-taught developer that's been working in a silo for so long. Was that a big transition area for you or did you pick up on that pretty quickly? If anything, I would, I would really recommend agencies for developers of that are kind of coming in new because what you learn is sometimes more often than an internal software development team, agencies really try to optimize process, right? Since everything is budget driven, 
and contract driven for an agency, I saw really the science behind how they handled um, negotiating a contract, um, initial research, UX and UI design, design handoff to dev, iterating on those steps, and then finally the, the, the final product. And so, yeah, to your point, pretty quickly, I was able to get a grasp of who and what is involved in even completing a software project. Um, Because you don't think when you're coming into it that, oh, it's important for me to know what the title associate creative director means and in what context I'm going to be working with them. But I, I think that kind of stuff ended up definitely helping me understand the the best ways to to work on software projects let's go back to when you were learning with team treehouse what was that process like because you were doing this for what six months on the side that's a long time to be doing something in your free time what 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 kept you going during that six months yeah definitely um I got some pretty good advice early on that I should be building real stuff. Um, when I when I mentioned that I had rebuilt this this agency's website, that wasn't the first time that I had tried to do something like that. Um, so for me, when I was learning front-end web development, if I came across a site that I really liked design-wise, I would try to rebuild it. And that, I feel like, was a pretty good way to take, like, all the tutorial videos and and sandbox coding exercises and and try to do something real with them. So if anything, I think that's something that that helped to maybe even accelerate the process early on. Was I could have I could have sat and watched tutorial videos for a couple hours a day and probably would have learned. But if I hadn't gone out and built something and like learned how to debug and how to use Chrome Dev tools and the stuff that I ended up actually using every day as a as a as a paid developer then i think it would have taken a little bit longer if if not for building real stuff and and real has a giant asterisk on it right like no these things didn't have users but to me i was trying to get to an outcome of a site that looked the way i wanted it to look yeah they were they were real for you um yeah but basically just side projects that didn't have the goal of monetizing or getting users. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if I, uh, I think the lucky ones are the ones who have this brilliant idea for for an application or a product, and they can go out and build it. I was more interested, or I was I was more focused at the time on on the tool set and the process, and so I kind of um, I kind of cheated in that. I just picked something that existed already and tried to do it on my own. You mentioned that you had advice to go build these real things. Did you have a, a mentor, a coding mentor, or where did you get this advice from? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. I had I had a couple of of mentors, um, mainly through Meetup.com, and so that's I started going to meetups pretty early on in this in this whole in this whole journey. Um, the one of the biggest benefits was just interacting and learning from other people and seeing where kind of where you are in 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 the stack rankings I guess if that's a good way to look at it um, but also generally the people who would host these meetups were you know 
uh, either professional educators or um, were in engineering management at their company. So they were, they just love teaching people. Um, that specific advice about going out and building real things, you know, that, that might've come from a blog post or something like that. But I just remember it being something in my head that, Hey, don't just sit here and watch these treehouse videos for hours on end, like go and, and make something with it. What was your favorite thing that you made during that time? Yeah, that's, I, I made this thing called, uh, called skill shift, which in retrospect is really just, it was like basically course report or any of those sites where it's like, you could find reviews of online courses and tutorials. Um, and so I started building this side project when I was attending this Ruby on Rails meetup and, and kind of like learning Ruby on Rails out of a, out of a book as well. Um, and that was fun, uh, because it was the first time that I kind of worked through the entire stack. Up until that point, I was mostly just doing front-end stuff. Um, but to work on a product where I was designing and building the UI, <clears throat> excuse me, writing the server-side code in Ruby, uh, working with Postgres, and really working with a database for the first time at all, um, that, that was definitely a memorable experience. And did you ship that um, to production and live, or did you just keep that internal? Uh, yeah, I shipped it. I shipped it. I would send it to my friends. I would show people at meetups. I got like a hundred users or something, <laughs> and then, and then, uh, yeah, I think I think uh, while that was going on, I like started interviewing for jobs, and then and then a friend of mine sent me course report. And I was like, oh, well, this is what I wanted to build. So <laughs> <laughs> this, this is already a thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 which I, I think is probably pretty common. Like when you start doing side projects, you get this like brilliant idea and you're like, this is going to this is going to revolutionize this industry. And then it, all it takes is like a Google search or a blog post to be like, oh, someone's been working on this for like five years already. But hey, <laughs> and typically they have 40 million dollars in funding. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So once you were done with Team Treehouse or um, all the online courses you were taking, how did you know that you were ready to apply for jobs? Because that's usually a big sticking point for people is, when am I ready? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, for me, it was um, having an online portfolio at all that had more than like two projects. So I think I got to the point where my online portfolio, like just my, my name in as a domain had like four things that I had built, something like that. Um, and then also like simultaneously while this is going on, I was, I was working on IT projects at my day job. And so I was able to, you know, at least put line items in my resume that, oh yeah, I'm like, uh, I'm working or sorry, I'm <laughs> creating and managing software de development tasks or something like that i don't know some some like resume language stuff when really i was i was like opening and closing jira tickets but like trying to make that sound fancier than it really was um what else i think also too you kind of and i, I still do this i kind of use the interview process as as a gut check for where you are and so at the very beginning, if I was getting radio silence, I would go back and build a couple things for a couple more months, come back in three months. And then maybe, maybe, maybe the first time out of literally 20 applications, I got zero responses. And then the second time around, when I revisited out of 20 applications, I might've gotten one response, but that's some slight improvement, right? So I kind of just did that. It, it, you know, it took a while, like six months, like doesn't sound 
super long looking back on it but when it's happening like when you're trying to make a transition and it's taking half a year you kind of just have to keep doing it mm-hmm. yeah that's a really interesting technique of kind of putting your feelers out there with job applications and just seeing if there's any bites and if there's not then you you kind of know that you need to build some more that's, that's pretty cool yeah i mean i and I, I think that's something that you see a lot in the community questions get asked like how do I know when I'm a mid-level mid-level developer? How do I know when I'm a senior developer? And for me, it's kind of just been like apply to those jobs and see. So right now you're working as a junior developer, correct? Um, I, I, I think I can confidently say that I've broken into the mid-level ground now. Cool. Um, yeah, when I, when I joined this company about two and a half years ago, it was very much um, explicitly a, a junior developer role. Um, but kind of as a function of um, of some successful projects and and kind of raising my hand at the right opportunities, I um, was able to to start working on more mid level things like architecting architecting the projects, um, sitting in on meetings with with senior developers, um, doing presentations with with executive management, etc. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing now is you're getting paid with a salary to learn these things. You don't have to necessarily go home and, and learn mid-level development on the side, correct? Yeah, and honestly, that's something that I was curious about and I think a lot of people get curious about is what percentage, if any, when you have a job should be spent learning, right? Like actively like reading books about about the technology that you're working on or watching tutorial videos, that kind of thing. What would you say that percentage is for you? I think it fluctuates. I mean, if we're if we're in the middle of a major project with a pretty tight deadline, you know, the the learning that I'm doing is by frantically looking things up on Stack Overflow so I can fin- finish the ticket that I'm building, right? Um, but most recently, about about two months ago, I was able to make the transition from the one the from the front end development team to the iOS team. Um, and that happened because kind of just randomly I was watching some Swift videos and tutorials and I really liked the language and I was just building like I built like a little like Space Invaders ripoff AR game that I that I built by following a tutorial. And following that, I, I came into work and I showed the iOS development lead, like not really having any expectations. And he invited me to join the team. So I got pretty lucky there. Well, that's pretty interesting. So you were working as a web developer and then you transitioned to a totally new technology. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so so how I got there is. And so when I was a front end developer working on a major project, maybe the learning was maybe five to 10 percent of any given week. Now, no one really bats an eye since I transition teams that I could be spending 50 percent of my time any given week, um, you know, reading a design patterns textbook or something like that. Um, and, you know, obviously that, that, that comes with a certain level of privilege. You have to be very lucky, I think, to, or find yourself in a lucky position to, to be in an organization that's willing to do that. But, um, it kind of seems like that's, that's, that's something that a lot of people are able to do. Um, I don't know, have, have guests on, on this show been able to speak on kind of additional learning opportunities once they've made the transition? 
Yeah, well, this is the first time that I that I at least got into that part of the story where you were working on one technology and then totally switched platforms. And I think that's really interesting because a lot of people just getting into software development don't necessarily know that once you learn how to code, it's a hell of a lot easier to learn another programming language after that. And it's, um, yeah, it's a lot of work, but it it's a lot easier. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because you... I, I, I saw, I think it was like a Hacker News comment or something recently that was something like, don't focus on learning the technology, focus on learning the fundamentals. And so that's pretty interesting because things like things like design patterns, those are language agnostic, really. Things like test-driven development doesn't, doesn't matter what platform or framework or language that you're using. And so that's a lesson that I'm really just now starting to learn um, a couple of years later, honestly, is that um yeah keeping up to date with like um in-demand javascript frameworks and stuff like that um, is pretty important i would say that to me at least it's it's felt like i've become just a better programmer in general by by looking at code that by looking at two different code bases and and being able to identify like oh these share this this design pattern or they share this pattern so now that you're a few years into your software development career, looking back, what's been the hardest part for you um, in your learn to code story? That's a really good question. Um, what's been the hardest part? I think my answer is probably going to be a pretty common one, which is generally this feeling of imposter syndrome, right? This feeling of, you know, there, there's so much there's so much content out there and you can see so many people's stories that like basically any narrative, whether it's like a child prodigy that became a senior engineer by the time they were 16 to someone who started learning how to code at 40, like you get that, you get that huge range. So I think one of the hardest parts for me is trying to understand and be okay with where, where I've been and where I'm at. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. How did you get over that? Cause I, I've definitely was there as well. It's it's debilitating sometimes where you don't think you're a developer and you have to kind of mentally break through and then and just get over it and, and accept the fact that you're a software developer. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I don't think this was the hardest part. I think this is the hardest part. Like I've had I had these feelings yesterday. You know what I mean? I think I think for me maybe the solution and it's something that I don't even know if I'm I'm if I have a compelling solution for it, but I think trying to remind myself that I'm never going to know everything and that, uh, yeah, reminding myself that fairly often helps a lot. I think like hearing, hearing stories from other people uh, helps put your own journey into perspective a lot. Um, and then on some level, this, this just, this applies to everything outside of your career, I think is just trying to not compare yourself to other people too much. Um, I think like trying to establish a baseline or kind of like get a gut check from of of where you are has worked for me but there's a lot of uh yeah you you can you can go down a rabbit hole if you start trying to check the boxes of someone else's checklist. What advice would you have for somebody that's just starting out on their coding journey or maybe doing a little bit of coding on the side right now? Yeah, if um if I were in any position to give advice, I would I would say 
go out and build real things like as soon as you can. So it's like when you finish that, that first, that first tutorial where you can do a hello world, um, in, in a browser, like do that until it's the best looking hello world possible. Right. And then kind of iterate on that, um, build real things, get out of your bubble, definitely talk to other developers and meet with other developers. Um, I would say also, yeah, applying to jobs earlier than you think you're ready is, is probably something that, that um, may accelerate the process because you get, you get an idea of what you need to improve on just by asking the recruiters and asking the, the hiring managers. That's something that I, that I meant to mention earlier is that um, kind of as a by nature, you're going to get more rejections than offers at first. And so like when you, when you get a company that's willing to like let you know, even if it's just via email or a phone call that you haven't gotten position, like take that opportunity to ask them um, what you could improve on and then take that seriously. Awesome. Yeah, that's all really, really good advice and, and really well put. I, I think my favorite piece of advice that you gave is applying early. I mean, it's it makes total sense when you think about it, but... I haven't talked to many people that do that, and it's it's immediate feedback on where you're at with software development, so it makes total sense. Yeah, I think, you know, when you're doing the self-study thing and you don't have, like, a career advising office or anything like that, you're just, you're kind of in the, you're, you can be in the dark if you're, if you're not doing something to try to get those data points. And so that's really all it is, is you're, you, I, I tried to be, I tried to be pretty data-driven about it. Um, because ultimately, it's it's a numbers game, right? If you if you apply to a hundred jobs, you might hear from ten. You might get five phone interviews. You might get two on sites, and you might get one offer. Like I don't even know if the, the, those those probably aren't super unreasonable numbers. So, if anybody wanted to um, contact you or find more about you online, where would we go? Uh, yeah, um, email would be the best place. Uh, so it's my first initial J and then my last name C-U-A-N-A-N at gmail.com. So jquanan at gmail.com. Um, uh, we'd be happy to answer any questions. Awesome. Thanks so much. And I'll, I'll be sure to throw that in the show notes for people. Awesome. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, thanks for being on the show, Joe. This has been really, really good. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, I, We mentioned this the first time we talked, but I... Uh, this is a this is a podcast and a resource that I, I wish I had had um, all those years ago. So appreciate what you're doing. If you enjoyed today's conversation, head over to icodehireme.com, where a few of us are hanging out and helping each other learn to code.